We started two Sundays ago, a series on prayer. We're going to continue that conversation this Sunday. Um, If you were here week one and week two, week one, we talked about addressing the obstacles that prevent us from praying. I think that was a good message. You probably should go back and listen to that. You know, I don't know if anybody else here struggles with praying. I certainly do. Um, But we talked about some of those uh, things that kind of prevent us from doing such. And I think it was a good message. And then the second week, we uh, talked about prioritizing prayer. And I think uh, for somebody still who struggles with kind of the discipline of prayer, uh, that was also a good message. Just about, you know, making prayer a priority in our life. Um, It's not just going to happen because we wish it to happen or we want it to happen. We actually have to set out like anything else that we would want in our life. We have to actually set out to prioritize it. This Sunday, we'll be talking about the power of prayer. And I'm sure many charismatics are going to be very happy about this. Um, But uh, I'm certainly happy about this. Um, The teaching text for today's sermon is Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be reading verses 7 through verse 11. I'm sure it's going to be on the overhead. Here's... um, Jesus' words in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7. He says, Ask, we're already off to a good start, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, well, it will be open. Or which one of you, if his son asks for some bread, will give him a stone instead? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, oh, Jesus is throwing stones, calling us evil, what the heck, Jesus? If you then, who are evil, I I didn't say it, it's Jesus' words. Um, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give you good things, if you ask him? I, I love this portion of scripture. It has carried me through, you know, now, trying to discipline my life, I think praying in the city for a good 17 to 18 years now. This scripture has kept me and has given me a sense of excitement and optimism around things that take place when the people of God pray. I wanna start off by sharing a story that I heard in my mid-20s and weave it into today's sermon. That's Joe worshiping with the young people upstairs just so you know us. You don't know how to manage it any better, but you're going to hear a little bit of classical piano on top of the word today, I'm sure for the next like five or 10 minutes or so, but they're worshiping. So it's, it's all, it's all good. It's all right. Right. But this story I heard, um, in my twenties at a conference, uh, on prayer, uh, it was about a young enthusiastic pastor and a missionary woman from Mozambique. I'm sure many of you know who that woman is. I'm not going to name her, but, um, This young pastor had recently took over a church. Unfortunately, there was a moral failing that happened uh, with the previous pastor, and he was the one that was suited and picked by the church uh, to take his place. Interestingly enough, I would never do this myself, but prior to taking over the role of senior pastor, he had only preached in the pulpit two times. There was, I think, 10 other pastors who were trying to get the gig, and he was chosen. And um, as he started his role as pastor there at the church, he immediately started feeling as though something was missing in the congregation. Something was a bit off. He felt as though this church excelled in programs and productions and performances. I mean, this church was a church of like four to 6,000 people. So it was a big church. But he felt as though there was something missing, especially in the area of transformation 
in the presence of God. Also, he realized that whenever he would call a prayer meeting, um, about five or six people would show up to actually pray with him. Now, again, just to get the scope of that, this is a five to 6,000 member church and only five to six people are actually showing up to pray. And so naturally this caused this pastor to be concerned. I think it would any pastor. Um, J.C. Ryle says in his book, Do You Pray? said this, that prayer is one of the truest marks of a Christian. And so bearing this in mind as a pastor, I'm sure this, this new pastor is quite alarmed and quite you know, shaken by his church's um, uh, willingness to pray. And so he, he starts to observe and discern these things and starts to pray. It's a new pastor in a new church, and so he doesn't want to you know, step out prematurely, and he doesn't know if what he's discerning and observing is actually right. And so, well, he decides to call on this lady whom he had the privilege of hearing in seminary. And I think actually when she came and spoke at his seminary class, they actually kicked her out. They couldn't, they couldn't, she's, if you ever ran into the way this woman, I'm not gonna name her name, I'm sure some of you are like, oh, we know who this is, but um, she's quite unorthodox in the way that she ministers. I mean, it is totally different. I mean, literally, I've seen it a couple of times. She actually spoke here in Harvard about probably 10 years ago or so, and they actually kicked her out as well. And essentially what she does is really simple and humble. She comes into a setting like this and she kneels. <laughs> she, she kneels down and she starts praying and she just starts crying out to God and sharing out of that time. And people just don't know what to do with that. It's not like me who just comes up here and officially takes the pulpit and cracks up the word of God and starts speaking, right? This is quite unorthodox. It's quite uh, interesting, and it, but it was powerful. I had the privilege of, of, of witnessing this and my heart was deeply, deeply touched. But anyways, um, he actually got this woman to come speak at his church and ultimately it was with the goal of asking her what she felt, what she observed, because what he knew about this woman is that she was very discerning. She was a very discerning woman. And so she came, she did her thing and the meeting end and uh, the husband and the wife took her out for uh, lunch after service. And, you know, the pastor asked this question. So, hey, what do you think of the church, right? You know, like, it's a good church. It's, it's big, right? We've got a lot going on. You should, you, should, you should come around during Easter. It's quite the thing, you know? And he's, he's setting this all up. He's really trying to kind of pull from her what she really thinks. And um, she boldly, and if you know this woman, she's very bold, very courageous, she said this, and it's, it's stuck with me through, you know, well, now 15 or, or, or 18 years or so. She said this to the pastor. She said, it's amazing what the church in the West can do apart from the presence of God. I'm not thinking, that right there takes some bold. She's clearly not worried about the honorarium, okay? Like, she's clearly, this is a woman who has no fear. This is what comes out of her mouth. And as the story goes, or as it was told to me, this actually cut the pastor to the core because he knew that. He knew that there was something off about this church. Although everything looked pretty from the outside, you, you'd get there, you know, everything, the lights would be perfect, the band would sound awesome, the pastor would be so articulate, you know? It'd just be one of those settings where you're just like, oh man, this is such a great church. But this young missionary woman had a different thought. And this was very helpful uh, to the pastor. 
And as the conversation went on, this missionary woman asked, actually asked the pastor, so how, 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 is, how does the church pray together? <laughs> and he's like, interestingly enough, the last couple of prayer meetings that we've called, only five or six people have come. It was actually a fruitful conversation and they, uh, this pastor actually went to be more proactive and try to steer the church in a different direction than the way it had been steered uh, previous years by the previous pastor. John Wesley said this, he said, God does nothing but by prayer and everything with it. Let me read that again. God does nothing. Do you believe that this morning? That God, our heavenly father, the one of whom Jesus just proclaimed in Matthew chapter seven, God does nothing but by prayer and everything with it. Now we have this glorious promise, don't we, in Matthew chapter seven. Did you catch it? I hope you did, it's pretty obvious. But God the Son says this, ask the Father, ask him for anything. Well, I'm putting that in there, it's a bit charismatic, so I'm just gonna throw it in there, right? But ask, and it will be given to you, right? He goes on a little bit further, he's like, hey man, hey man search, man, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. And this awesome, powerful promise is followed by a glorious truth, though, also regarding the generosity of God, right? Jesus said, how much more, right? Will my Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask? So we have two things at, at play, right? We have God the Son giving us this awesome pray, promise and, and, and provoking the body of Christ to just pray, pray in faith, ask for anything. And then it's followed by this truth regarding God's Generosity, how much more will my Father who is in heaven? So my take is this from this batch of texts. God is both generous and giving. And this is what Jesus says. He says, put it to test. Now it's at this part of these texts and what I'm saying to you now that we get a little nervous, right? Let's be honest. Like some of us get a little uncomfortable. And I think there's probably... Three categories, maybe, of people who, who kind of think differently about what I just said. The first category is, is God that really good? Is he that really giving, right? I, I think most of us struggle. Is God good, and is he that giving that Jesus kind of declares that he is in Matthew chapter seven? The second group of people says, man, this sounds like word of faith dribble, right? A kind of name it and claim it type thing. That'd probably be a, the second category of people. And the third is, man, I've tried that, right? I, I've put that to the test. I've tried to ask, and it has got me nowhere and has got me nothing. But the fact is, is if we take Jesus' words, and I believe we can, but if we take it at face value and to be true, the fact is, God is that good. Contrary to what most people think, God is also generous. Do you know that God wants the absolute best for you? No, let, me, let, me, let me say, are you convinced this morning? Like, let's, let's, let's get past the, the knowledge. Are you convinced in your heart that God wants the best, the absolute best for you? Well, let's look at a couple texts that, that prove this this heart that God has of goodness, you know, gift-giving and generosity. Uh, regarding the goodness of God, the Bible says in Psalms 31, verse nine, 
He's abundant in his goodness. Okay, case closed. Let's just shut the book. We got it. All right. He's abundant. Right. Nahum 1.7 says, the Lord is good and a stronghold in the day of trouble. Psalms 119.68 says, you are good, Lord, and you do good to all. How many want that revelation of God? Okay, a couple of us. Come on, how many of us actually have that revelation of God? How many of us could confidently say with absolute assurance that you are good, God, and you do good to all? I don't know, I, I, I can feel myself kind of vastly. I, I could name a couple instances that God, I don't know if I've necessarily saw your goodness, but he is good. Regarding the generosity of God, the Bible says in Philippians 4.19, that God will supply, listen, every need, not just some needs, not just the needs that he thinks you need, but every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Proverbs 19.17 says, whatever is generous, whoever, excuse me, is generous to the poor, lends to the Lord and he will repay, the Lord will repay him for his deed of generosity. So the Lord will repay generosity with generosity. And then I think the creme of the creme, the absolute pinnacle of God's generosity is John three sixteen. For God so loved the word, what? The world, that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So in my humble opinion, God is both good and God is generous, right? I, I love my boys, I really do. I, I, I would do anything for them, honestly, apart from sinning, and, and, and I'll be honest, even that is questionable at times. <laughs> I was at a football game a couple Saturdays ago and I don't know, this kid that my son was covering it's being kind of rough. Uh, I, mean, I know it's tackle and you're supposed to do all that, but I'm like, hey, I, I actually said from the sideline, 12 has daddy issues, okay? Like, uh, so like, uh, like, I will do anything for my children. I had to repent after, but I love my boys. Seriously, Abram and Ben are my world. And it's hard to imagine. It's, it's really hard to grasp the fact that God would do or outdo me and knowing, uh, with my boys, in his love, that he would outdo those things, uh, knowing how much I love my boys. Um, and this is exactly what Jesus said. If you didn't catch it, he said, if then, if then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to, ch to your children, how much more, how much more, key in on that, will your Father who is in heaven give you good things if you ask? Uh, my son uh, recently, over the summer, started tackle football. I, I share way too much. My, my son teaches me so much about Jesus, my 13-year-old. He, he's, I mean, the only story I really know how to tell and connect it to, like, my faith journey is stories about Abram. Um, but he, he started tackle football over the summer. And, um, you know, this is different because he's used to playing flag. You know, his mom was a little bit nervous. So we kind of like took our time introducing him to tackle. And so he started, and he, you know, he's doing it. He's real good. And it came time uh, for the coaches to pass out the equipment. And um, I, I immediately noticed that my son got pads that were huge. He, he just like, they were so disproportionate to his body. They were just like these big tackle pads. 
just ginormous, this big long shirt that looked like it could have fit his grandfather. And if you know his grandfather, his grandfather was pretty big. Uh, and, and pants that clearly would not stay upright. You know, you just like every five seconds he's pulling, hiking up as he's running. Uh, and so uh, I'm like, this isn't right. I, my, my boy, he's not gonna have those pads, not gonna wear those shirts, not gonna wear those pants. We're going to Dick's Sporting Goods. Yeah, I did it. And, and, and any sport that you play these days, I don't care if it's track, baseball, uh, the, the equipment is super expensive. It's just so expensive. But hey, listen, I love my boy. And so we went to Dick's Sporting Goods and I bought him pads and a shirt and everything. And he walked out that next day at practice. He looked tight. I don't know if he played so tight, but he looked tight. All right. Now he plays tight. He's a good player. And, you know, I didn't want, honestly, I did not want to buy the pads. I didn't want to go and spend the money, all right, because I don't have it in the first place. Uh, and they're not cheap, and I am. I'm very cheap, okay? I, I, I just don't like spending money. So after I, I, I bought him the gear, I, I took a little time and reflected. Because at the time, because he was kind of new to tackle, he didn't even know if he wanted to continue. So I'm thinking in the back of my head, I'm like, and if he doesn't continue and I just spent all that money, what are we going to do? You know, of course we could return it, but what, you know, it's just all these scenarios are running through my head and, I, and I'm just in my car saying, why did I do that? I should have just let him wear the big pads and the pants that didn't fit him. Um, after thinking about it for a while, I, I realized that me buying those pads had nothing to do with generosity. And I wasn't generous at all. There wasn't an ounce of generosity in my being. I didn't want to, right? I was simply motivated by love. And this is different than what motivates God to answer our prayers. Yes, God loves us, absolutely. But this is not entirely the reason that he'll answer our requests, that he'll reveal himself as we seek him, and he'll open the door as we knock. This is not entirely the reason. The first point I want to convey to you is that prayer to Jesus and what he's teaching us here in Matthew chapter 7, in my opinion, is powerful because God is generous. Hmm. Prayer is powerful because God is generous. Now, some of you might be thinking, of course, right? But, but Jesus reveals God's eagerness here in Matthew chapter 7 to give good things to his people. And that eagerness is primarily motivated by his generosity. I love that. Because sometimes like growing up in a charismatic context, you, you kind of feel as though uh, through various teachings and even some of the feel that you get from texts like even Matthew chapter 7, that you have something to do with the persuading. You know, like you can persuade God to get what you want. And, and I don't know if necessarily that's true. I don't think God can be persuaded. Matter of fact, I, I, I would say that he can't. But he is generous. And he will do things for us out of the overflow of that generosity. And friend, that is good news. That is good news. Takes us out of the picture and puts God center stage. And when we go to him, Pentecostal, you know, and charismatic in our prayers, we can be confident that he is generous, that we're not, we may not be good or we may be evil, kind of like he said, uh, you know, our fathers, our earthly fathers are, but bypass all that, God moves, God answers prayer because God, can't say it more than five or six more times, I'm sure by this service is over, 
is generous. Jesus discloses, excuse me, this about God. God is also a great gift, gift giver, excuse me. Um, I'm, I'm a terrible gift giver. Uh, I am, seriously. I, I wish I was better. I, I wish I was good at it, but there's a lot of pressure involved. Um, I think as I've thought about it, the reason I'm terrible at gift giving is because it takes a, a great deal and measure of thoughtfulness, right? And it's not that I want to be shallow, but I just get under pressure, like trying to buy a gift for my wife. I'm like, ah, oh, like I, I know I know her, but I, I, you know, the pressure of failing, you know, just like getting her something like that doesn't match her worth. It, it's just too much, but I'm a terrible gift giver. Anyone have anybody like that in their life? Anybody, that person? Hey, no shame, no shame. I, I, I gotta be honest, I love receiving a good gift, right? I mean, those who of us who are terrible gift givers, like, hey, I, I hate receiving a bad gift. Like, I, I'd rather not get it, but man, if somebody gives me a good gift, yes. Again, it takes a great measure of thoughtfulness but this seems to be a quality, thoughtfulness, of which God has an abundance of, according to Jesus in Matthew chapter seven. When I use the word thoughtfulness, I'm actually referring to a kind of mindfulness that God has of us. Do you know that God is mindful of you, that you run through God's mind? If you don't, or if you know, and let me just remind you. Uh, Psalms eight, verse four says, what is man that you are mindful of him. Psalms 115.12 says, the Lord has been mindful of us and he will bless us. Come on, Psalms. Psalms 103.14, for he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are dust. Psalms 144.3, O Lord, what is man that thou art knowledgeable of him? Or the son of man that you think of him? Psalms 40, 17, since I am afflicted and needed, let the Lord be mindful of me. I, I don't know how that strikes you this morning. <laughs> I, I don't know to the degree that your heart is awakened and actually feels, actually feels this kind of wash over you in a way that just takes your breath away for a moment. Just like, ah. Oh. I mean, the God of, who created the cosmos, right? The uncreated creator of all things has you and I in his mind. It sends, like, chill up my spine, you know God's mindful of us. He's not like me, you know? I will hardly think of any of you. No, it's not true. Like, I will definitely, as a pastor, think of you and carry you in my prayers. But, but, but this is God. This is not Daryl Temple. This is not Will Eifler. This is God, our heavenly Father. And don't you love it that in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus personalized it? He doesn't say, ask my heavenly Father. He says, ask your Heavenly Father, come on. God is mindful of us. Jesus, in his own way, I think, touches upon this matter at least two times. Prior to Matthew chapter 7 and chapter 6, 
Jesus says in the second half of Matthew 6, 8, that the Father knows what we need even before we ask. Now, I know my family pretty good. If Ben starts crying, I know there's like three possibilities. <laughs> like, you know, it's either he's hungry. Sorry to be explicit here. He's pooped or he is ready for bed. Anything other than that, it is a mystery to me. I am lost. I am confused. I am like, Bethany, help, help. I've tried. I, I've done. I've changed the diaper. I've tried to lay him down. I've given him a bottle. Nothing is working. So, so my knowledge of my kids only goes so far. But God's knowledge of you and I seems to go as far as whatever we have need of. Before we even ask God in prayer, he already knows. Ooh, that's a measure of mindfulness that I can't even comprehend. I can't even begin to comprehend that. And then there's another time later in the same chapter, Jesus says that his father knows all that we have need of regarding the necessities of life. This is Matthew 6, the first half of verse 32. Friends, that takes a considerable amount of thoughtfulness on God's part to be mindful of us, right? To, to know what we need before we ask and to know and also provide, provide all that we have need of in this life. We are clearly running through the thoughts and the mind of God. This is my second point and we are wrapping it up here. Prayer is powerful because God is thoughtful and God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He gives good gifts to his children. This is what Tori Hunter said. When we rely on faith, I know that God wants to reward and bless me, but not because of some great act that I did, but because of who he is. You see, when we think about God being generous, God being thoughtful and a great gift giver. This is who God is. He is we have to learn these things. You see, I have to learn generosity. I've, I've spent many times up here throwing myself under the bus saying I, I, I lack a real genuine generosity. Like when it comes to like tipping and anything to do with money, I just like pass it off to my wife because I know if I, if I tip that waitress, if I give that waiter a tip, it's gonna be significantly low than what they deserve. I'm terrible at it. I need help. But see, but see, God doesn't need that. It's who he is. It's naturally who he is. And this is, should be good news to us. God doesn't have to try hard to bless his children. He doesn't have to think, uh, you know, really that extensively on what good gifts we need or what things we need. He is a good God who gives good gifts to his children. And part of me, you know, feels like uber charismatic in saying that, right? I mean, I, I am charismatic. I, I, that's it's my DNA, for lack of better words. I, I am a Pentecostal through and through. But even I cringe a little bit at like, How could God be this good? You ever wrestle with that? I believe that some of the wrestle actually keeps us. Some of the questioning, God really is, 
are you that good? Are you that giving? Some of those things are actually what prevent us from actually praying together as a body. You know, amongst other things, but when we wrestle and, and, and we kind of doubt the nature of God, how, how could we stand confidently in prayer? For anything, really. I mean, honestly, if, if, if you don't see God as generous, if you don't see him as good, if you don't see him as a great gift giver, why would you want to pray? What would be the point? But man, when you start to really see and feel and allow that truth to wash over your heart, the only response you can give God is prayer. Yes, it's, it's the only fitting response, man. That, 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 that when you actually have come into contact with the generous, reward-giving God, the Father who is in heaven, when you actually have a revelation of his generous, generosity and his goodness, it's almost like you can't keep your mouth shut. <laughs> it's almost like the only fitting response is to pray. What is your view of God this morning? We, we've gone over this before. Statistically, most people view God as like some kind of stoic, angry, you know, ready to judge and smite the world, you know, kind of disinterested, you know, just off in the clouds, just waiting for that big day, right? Where he can judge the world, right? What is your view of God this morning? Do you have a view? And do you, do you see in your spirit the generosity of God? A God who Jesus says wants to give you good things when you ask for them? Do you see that? Do you have that vision? Because Jesus had that vision. And, and Jesus gave us permission to have the same vision that he had. If I could get a piano player, we're going to close here. I think our view of God needs to be tweaked. I mean, I throw myself right into that. It needs to be, it needs to be tweaked. It needs to be transformed. You know, I imagine, like me, many here have come maybe and aren't even convinced by what I've shared. You've come and, 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 and your current view of God is, is not, no, he, 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 he's not generous. I haven't seen that, you know. I haven't seen his goodness, Daryl. I, I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I've tried, I, I've believed, I've, I've prayed, I've asked, I, I, I searched, I knocked, but nothing happened. Actually, the exact opposite. I got the exact opposite of what I was asking for. I don't, I don't know how those things measure up. All, all I know is this, and this is what I'll close with, is the things that we're asking for, the stuff that we're searching for, and, 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 and we're asking heaven for, they, they have to be in agreement with God's will for our lives. Like, like I'm not just trying to, you know, paint this picture like you just you just throw it up there and you just get what you want you know no of course what we ask for has to be in accordance to God's will 
But you better believe when I understand God's will for my life or my family or this church or somebody's life, man, I'm gonna pray about those things. I'm gonna, without ceasing, pray about those things. And, and I've, I've seen it just in recent months where God's doing a new thing and showing me an other, another side of him where I'm literally asking for things and I am actually seeing them. And friends, I have not seen that kind of interaction for years. But I'm in this phase where I'm crying out for things in prayer and I'm actually seeing God answer my prayers and it is blowing my mind. What's your view of God today? Is it stuck on just that one instance that he didn't come through for you? Is it stuck on that one moment where you asked and he didn't give to you what you asked for and you just, you stopped, you just stopped. I wanna pray for those who may have given up their asking. Pray for those who um, who are currently struggling with their view of God as generous and good and a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Let's just bow our heads, fathers. We now create a moment for the Holy Spirit to minister to our hearts. Father, we are asking, Lord, for something supernatural to now transpire where we get a, a new set of eyes, Lord, to see God as he really is so that we might pray to God the way in which Jesus teaches us. Father, I ask, Lord, that for those who feel hurt and, and in pain, God, over moments where they trusted and they, they believed, God, and they prayed and asked, but they did not receive. Father, I pray for those who've been kind of captured and now enslaved by that moment in that, Lord, they no longer ask. God, I pray, oh, by the Spirit of God, you would free them even now in this moment. Free them, God. Loose their lips to pray and to believe and ask God again. Father, I pray for those who maybe feel even now that, oh, this is kind of a word of faith thing, man. Where are you coming from, Daryl? You, you've lost me with this, Lord. I, I pray, God, Lord, that you would reach those, Lord, Father, who are skeptical and jaded because of their experiences, Lord, and can't take uh, the, the words of Christ at face value, God, to be true. Father, I pray, Lord, that God, you would give them faith again, God, and that you would set them free from a jadedness, Lord. I pray, God, that you would once again give them the courage to ask all that they might receive. Give them the courage, Lord, to search and to seek, Lord, that they may find. Give them the courage to be that persistent widow that did not give up calling for justice, Lord. 
And Lord, lastly, we pray for those who struggle and have had struggled over the years of their view and their perception of God and who God is. Lord, I pray for those who've not seen God as a generous God, as one who wants to provide and meet their needs, as a good gift giver, as one who rewards, Lord, who rewards his people for diligently seeking. God, I thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, that you would open their eyes, Lord, to the side of God's nature, of God's love and God's care and concern for his people. In Jesus' mighty name, Father, I pray that at the abundance of your generosity and your kindness and your goodness to us, Lord, make us a praying people, God. Lord, the things that have stood in our way from really being wholehearted, God, really praying, God, Lord, both in our closets and corporately together, God, I pray, Lord, that even now you would remove those things by the power of God and that you would put in us, Lord, a new zeal, a new passion, God, to pray. In Jesus' name, I ask these things. Raise up, God, in this community, in this city, a praying people, a praying community that would seek you, that would see the answers to their prayers, that would see the power of God. Not 10 years from now, not 20 years from now, but a year from now, a month from now, a week from now. God, I ask in Jesus' name, we take you at your word, so God. And even now we ask, we ask that we might receive God, a praying community. That's our desire, God. That's what we ask for. A praying people who will not relent, who will not give rest to their mouths in the secret place, Jesus. Lifting their voices in prayer, God, give us what we ask for, Jesus. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. As we bring things to a halt, um, I'll be up here and I'm sure there'll be some others. Um, if there's anything any one of you guys need prayer you know, on, if you just need the agreement of prayer, um, we'll be here to minister to you in that way. If I haven't scared you too much and you're like, I wanna find out a little bit more about this community of faith, I wanna turn your attention over to the info center and. Um, we got some people over there that just want to get to know you, take some information, and it's only to let you know what's going on and, and to get you connected to the spiritual family. Um, with that being said, church, we love you. really do. We're praying for you. Um, I always say this, especially when we're talking about prayer. We have a way of really living kind of these messages out in, a, in an intentional way. Um, we have the house of prayers, Tara, uh, mentioned in the announcements. I want to encourage you, um, stop by, be part of that culture. It's really, um, the life source of our church and the life source of all that we do. And man, we would surely, um, 
desire every one of you to be part of it. And so come by, check it out Wednesday nights, um, seven o'clock to nine o'clock. And and with a group of people, live these sermons out in a very intentional way. Church, we love you. The altar's open. Be blessed. Have a great Sunday, and we'll see you next.